Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Uh, Bring the energy! It's happening. Get it, get get, get, get. For your lives. It's time for MP on the mic. Cunning, capable, agile, flexible. It gets me pumped and it gets me going. Michael Phillips is... Let's go! MP on the mic. What is up, Richmond? Monday morning, we are back at it after a holiday break. Great to be with you. Great to be talking sports. Great to be a Virginia Tech Hokies fan. Hokies roll in the Commonwealth Cup. Brent Pry posted a little video this morning of him feet up on his uh, coffee table, drinking his morning coffee. Commonwealth Cup sitting right there. Ah, tastes extra good this morning. It does. Coffee tastes a little sweeter off a rivalry win. That's what Virginia Tech picked up, and they dominated. We'll get into that at 10.30. We'll take your phone calls if you're a Hokies fan, want to take a victory lap, or if there's any who's out there still listening that want to commiserate, the lines are yours, 833-804-0910. Did anything happen while we were gone? Yeah, just, just a little bit. Uh, Jack Del Rio out in D.C. after uh, they got pasted in the Turkey Bowl against the Cowboys. Cowboys put up 45 on that Washington defense. It's officially the worst defense in football. Jack Del Rio run out of town. And Ron Rivera will take over there when they get back to work this week. And, I mean, plenty of NFL action yesterday. The Eagles just keep on winning. The Eagles will be one-point underdogs. That's actually moved to two, two-point underdogs against the San Francisco 49ers at home this weekend, can't imagine another 10-1 and team, two games up on everybody in the league, that's an underdog, or that that's, yeah, that that's not favored at home. Uh, the Niners are good, though, and I, I under, certainly understand why the Niners are favored. Uh, a little breaking news. Coming across the wires this morning, Frank Reich fired as the head coach in Carolina. That becomes the second coaching vacancy, uh, joining the Las Vegas Raiders with, of course, more to come as we near the end of the year. Washington presumably on that list as well. We'll rank those for you, let you know uh, where Washington stands in the pecking order. And I, I think the Chargers is probably the consensus number one if that comes open. But I think Washington's really close to the top. Chargers, look, you'd take Justin Herbert over Sam Howell. Don't don't lie, don't kid yourselves, don't talk yourselves into it. Justin Herbert's way better than Sam Howell. And you've you've got a lot of other organizational things going for you. But a really good job waiting for somebody in Washington. There's some talent there. There's some salary cap room there. And by the way, some pretty good draft picks there. They're sitting at number five now in the draft after yesterday's results. Speaking of tanking, I usually leave the Wizards to AWOD, but Wizards-Pistons tonight... They're both 2-14. and 14. You're not going to want to miss that one, folks. A combined four wins early in the NBA season. That is not to be missed. We will play the highlights from that tomorrow in the event there are any highlights 
in that game. We cannot make promises for you. Cannot make promises. Uh, Awad up uh, from Capital Ejas says he is on Mondays at noon. He was down in Orlando. I'm excited for our crosstalk at 11:45. Looked like uh, looked like he won a stuffed animal at the uh, at the midway there at Universal. Uh, our guy Awad's got the uh, got some moves. Got some carnival moves. I love it. We'll uh, we'll ask him about that. Ask him about the trip. Uh, he made it back. VCU's basketball team did not make it back. Uh, they are still in Orlando this morning, as of early this morning. Uh, there were issues with the plane. They did not get out of town last night, uh, so they are out. They'll be out this morning. Uh, our guy Zach Joaquin from the Times Dispatch also did not get out this morning. He's on Spirit Airlines. He he uncorked. An angry tweet at Spirit Airlines, the Greyhound of the Sky, uh, this morning. He's a real beat writer now. They grow up so fast. You're a real beat writer when you when you launch an angry tweet at a company using using your name on on Twitter. That's that's the sign. That's the sign. He's a real beat writer now. He's angry tweeting at companies from the road demanding satisfaction. Uh, hopefully Zach makes it back. Hopefully we can check in with him later this week. But VCU basketball, that's the main topic today. Uh, Three games down in Orlando and three very different stories and very different outcomes. But, and and Zach and I were actually texting about this the other day. I I said, if you had to have one non-conference game this year, if you could pick any one non-conference game this year, you know which one you'd pick. Mike Rhodes, Penn State, that's the one you'd pick. Now, Zach disagreed with me. He said you'd take Memphis because they're a great team and they're going to finish the season in a very good spot. And I I get where he's coming from. He's acting rationally. And I commend him for behaving rationally. I'm not rational. I'm a sports fan. I wanted them to run Mike Rhodes out of the gym yesterday. And that's not what happened, but they beat them and that was satisfying. Look, I'm not under any misguided illusions that this team's going to get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament. Not at this point, not with this resume, not in this league. Not going to happen. But you can you can have some fun along the way. And beating, beating Mike Rhodes, that's some fun. Now, I can't say beating Ace Baldwin, beating Nick Kern, like that's not where the satisfaction comes in for me personally. Like I, I like I liked those kids here. Uh, I like those kids there. I'm rooting for them to have success, to come back, to be distinguished alumni in the program, to be uh, guys who you know come back and, and perpetuate the VCU name. But Mike Rhodes, oh yeah, yeah. I hope they win next year at the Siegel Center too by 40. That was a satisfying win, as as a former coach might say. That was a strong ass offer of a win. That's the one you had to have. That redeems a lot of the weekend for me. That redeems a lot of what happened with you lose, losing a tough game against Iowa State uh, and then just not getting it going against Boise and, and, and fading down the stretch there. Uh, VCU had had the had a big lead early against Boise, so I, I don't want to pretend like you know they they were out of that game the whole way by any stretch. They, they were in that game the whole way. But but that, that was a fade down the stretch, and, and certainly uh, Boise took advantage of, of some miscues, some missed opportunities. The Iowa State one's the one that's going to stick in your craw a little bit. The Iowa State one, you had a really good team, and that is a tournament team, by the way, at Iowa State. You had a tournament team on the ropes, and you couldn't seal the deal. You play a really strong game. You know, I was hoping this was what would happen in Orlando. You'd get the offense going. You'd get down there and, and get that shooting going. I love this. Two three-pointers for Michael Bell against Iowa State. Two three-pointers for Zeb Jackson against Iowa State. Two three-pointers for Jason Nelson against Iowa State. Four three-pointers for Max Shulga against Iowa State. He was already rolling, though. Balanced scoring, balanced distribution. They didn't win that game, but I liked Everything I saw there in in terms of the way they got the offense going. Now, I, I would have to say their end game the first two two nights there in Orlando against Iowa State and, and Boise State left a lot to be desired. This is still an offense that's not humming on all cylinders by any stretch. But there were a lot of things you take out of those two games 
that you like that this is coming together. And then you get to Sunday. You get to the game, 0-2. Penn State's 0-2 in this tournament. Both teams desperate. And you find a way to take care of business. Call it the Fats Billups breakout performance. 23 points for Fats Billups. Jason Nelson didn't play yesterday. Of course, Bearstow's still not playing with his injury. You're down two guys. You've got, you know, they played, they played eight players yesterday. But Roosevelt Wheeler was only out there for a few minutes. In reality, this is a seven-man rotation in the third game of a tournament against three quality opponents. And you dig deep, and you find a way, and you get the job done. Shulga, 36 minutes. Zeb Jackson, 36 minutes. Michael Bell, 37 minutes. These guys were out there. These guys were playing. These guys were hustling. And it's easy to hustle when that's the opponent, when that's what's going on on the other side. A little little chippiness, some technical fouls. It's, uh, It's the kind of game we were dealing with here for sure. But they find a way to dig deep, get the job done on a day where Shulga only hits one three-pointer. They get in the paint. You know, if if the excitement for me of that Iowa State game was they got the three-point ball going, the excitement for me yesterday was they got in the paint. 32 of their points scored in the paint. They found a way to get those touches inside, which is going to be so, so important for them as we get to A-10 play, as we get to these big nine conference games coming down the way. If you got thoughts on VCU basketball, if you got up early, a little, uh, little early action from Orlando, uh, line up the phone lines here, 833-804-0910. What is it they used to say? It's a free call. Uh, I don't. That's not a thing anymore. All calls are free now. If you have a phone, it's free to make a phone call. We don't have 900 numbers anymore. We don't charge you by the minute to call here. Uh, that's a free call, though, 833-804-0910. If you want to light up the lines, uh, review this weekend in sports. VCU basketball gets Penn State uh, as they come back now, face Norfolk State on Friday before they get uh, get into a pretty intense stretch of games. that includes Memphis and Temple and Virginia Tech flying high after beating UVA, becoming bowl eligible, uh, get, gets to six, and flexes their dominance in the state. You wonder if UVA understands what's on the line here in these games. You wonder if the Who's understand how much this means. Cause you remember, you remember all the gimmicks. I think it was Al Groh put the clock in the locker room. Countdown to Virginia Tech started it right after the previous game. Mike London, you know, botched his way through a Virginia Tech game early. You wonder if they truly understand what is going on here. One of the two sides understands. Virginia Tech understands what it means to win that football game. Virginia Tech understands what it means to run the state, to get that win, to beat the rivals. You wonder if it if it matters to UVA. And look at look at the results before that game. Virginia Tech loses to NC State, caught a little bit off guard. UVA beats Duke. But you wonder if one of those two schools was getting ready for the game that mattered. And one of those two schools was just getting ready for another game on Saturday afternoon. Because it sure felt like it out there. I think there's talent on the UVA sideline, but it sure didn't look like it. I don't think Virginia Tech's defensive line is all that great. 43 yards rushing for UVA. They stepped up. They showed out. Look, they played like that every week. They'd, they'd be phenomenal. You can't you can't hit that gear every week. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's a rivalry in name. But only one side's been treating it like a rivalry recently. Would love to see UVA reclaim a little of that fire. Until then, a huge monster win for Tech. Send them off into the offseason with the momentum, with what Coach Pry's doing down there. Very impressive. All right, we got one other thing today. In case this wasn't a loaded enough show, your phone calls 833-804-0910. Uh, reviewing the weekend in sports, still got to get to Jack Del Rio being fired. Well, plenty more on Tech UVA, of course. Also today, uh, announcing the new class of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. They'll be revealing the class throughout the day uh, slowly here. We'll give you the first name, and we'll have more names as the show goes on. Uh, First name on the other side of this. We're off and running. It's MP on the mic. You're listening to 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM. All right, winners here. We'll keep you warm with our... Piping hot takes, though. It's MP on the mic. 
910 The Fan, 105.1 FM. Appreciate you spending your Monday with us as we reboot the program here after a long, refreshing holiday weekend. A lot of sports on the TV, a lot of food. Uh, I checked in this morning. I checked in this morning. I gained five pounds last week. That's a that's a true number. That is, that is an authentic. That's boy. There's more applause than that deserved. Uh, strong week for your boy. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of me too. I'm proud of you. So multiple plates at dinner. We did it. Nobody believed in us. It was us <laughs> against the world. We did it. Mikey Tyron did it. We did it. We did it. I love it. Uh, always good food over Thanksgiving. That's all right. I'll worry back off. It's cold out there. You got to got to run twice as fast to to stay uh, stay half as warm out there. Now that it's winter time, it's depressing. Sun's down early. It's it's the most depressing of the season. I'm a huge summer guy. You'll you'll get to know that, JC. You you haven't been with me uh, during the summer. Yeah, I'm big summer guy. That's that's my one seed of season. People say fall. I love fall. Spring's nice too. Summer's the one seed. Summer's <laughs> number one. I missed you in your uh, in your most elemental season. That's correct. That's Dang. correct. It's uh, but the, you'll you'll ride through the trough with me though. That'll make the highs that much more enjoyable. All right. So we are unveiling today uh, the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame class for next year, and this is special uh, in part because this will be the first time the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductions will take place. In Richmond, they'll be at the new Henrico Sports and Events Center, which uh, we we got a chance to tour a couple weeks ago uh, on this show with Dennis Bickmeyer of Henrico. They always a fantastic weekend. They'll put on a fantastic show. Uh, so they're going to announce a new member of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame every half hour throughout the day. Uh, first one up will be Jill Ellis. Jill Ellis, uh, who is from Northern Virginia, went to school at William and Mary, uh, soccer star at William and Mary, and won two. Women's World Cups as the manager of the U.S. national team. So a little bit of a little bit of star power right out of the gate there. That's a that's a pretty good pull uh, for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame class. We'll announce more names as the show goes on, and they'll announce more names into the afternoon as we get ready for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductions, which take place next April in Henrico for the first time. Now. Uh, our guy, uh, we talked VCU basketball in the last segment. Look, I was I was pumped, pumped to get the win over uh, Penn State, to get the win over Mike Rhodes. Uh, George Templeton, he's our guy, uh, does the Rams Rewind podcast, uh, says it was not fun. Whatever you think about Rhodes' exit, he's a good guy, and he had a lot of success at VCU. Plus, it was a seventh-place game, and the referees called 45 fouls, and it was awful to watch. Appreciate George hitting us up on Twitter. Michael P. and RVA is the address. If you want to share your thoughts, we'll read them on the air. Uh, I agree with the second half of that statement. Uh, it was awful to watch with the fouls. Uh, the rest were blowing way too many whistles out there. It's 1030 in the morning. Hadn't even had that second cup of coffee yet. They were already, you know, stopping play. It felt like a field hockey game out there is what it felt like. Nobody... Nobody actually knows the rules of field hockey. The ref just blows the whistle every 20 seconds and people run the other direction. That's what it felt like out there. Sorry sorry if you're a field hockey person. I'm, a, I'm aware there are actual rules. I, I just don't know what that is. I just know they blow the whistle, everybody runs the other direction. That's the extent of my field hockey knowledge out there. We'll get a field hockey expert in one of these days. Take care of that for us. Uh, but I, I disagree with the first part because this is, I do not have anything personally against Mike Rhodes. So I, I'll say that into the microphone. I'll say that out loud. I'll, I'll put that out there. I got nothing against Mike Rhodes, personally. But when you leave VCU, it's important for the program that you go down in flames every time you play VCU. Shaka, Wade, Rhodes, Grant, I hope you got to be Dayton twice a year. The, the point that we're proving is not Mike Rhodes is a bad guy. It's VCU, the program, will sustain. And VCU, the program, is the place to be. You're a cog in that machine, right? Uh, when Ryan Odom leaves, I'll be beat the pants off of whatever school he goes to. That's important for the program. It's important for VCU and its identity is to win those games, to beat former coaches. Now, it's stickier because the players went too. It's stickier because Penn State had Ace Baldwin playing 40 minutes out there. I don't feel the same way about beating former players who leave. I think that's a different ballgame. But from a coaching perspective, from a program perspective, I think it's really important to win those games. All right, I am 
five minutes into a segment, Josh, that I labeled college football. I haven't said a word about it, but I think it was a fascinating weekend nationally in college football. Um, let, let's play the Alabama touchdown because I think that was the signature play of the weekend. We'll get into a, get into a quick college football discussion here. Jalen Milrow on fourth and goal from the 31. Milrow to throw out of the shotgun with time. Still with time. He looks. He throws to the back of the end zone. It is caught for a touchdown. Isaiah Bond with the catch. Andy, what they did was they gave him so much time in the pocket, it allowed Isaiah Bond to get to the back of the line against one-on-one against DJ. There you go. Alabama beats Auburn, pulls the rabbit out of the hat, and sets up what is the most intriguing matchup of the weekend from a college football playoff perspective. All right, so this is the last year of four. They go to 12 next year. This is actually the perfect year to have 12. Perfect time to reboot my plan, variable college football playoffs. The committee gets together. They can select as few as three teams, as many as eight teams, and and assemble whatever playoff they want to assemble within the bowl structure. That's my idea. But this year would have been the perfect year to go to 12. There's a lot of good teams out there. You, You have a smooth path forward if Georgia beats Alabama on Saturday. Because Georgia's clearly the best team in the country. They're clearly the one seed. If they beat Bama and prove it, your your four playoff teams are the four conferences. You've got Georgia. You've got the winner of Washington, Oregon. Pac-12's been the best conference. That I think I think the winner of Washington, Oregon has to make it at this juncture because of how good the Pac-12's been this year, regardless of anything else. That's two. You've got uh, Florida State, if they run the table is an intriguing one uh for from a from an you know they they're in obviously if they're undefeated um we'll we'll get to them in a second and then Michigan assuming they beat Iowa I I'm just assuming Michigan beats Iowa I I'm not even going to spend too long running down that hypothetical road if Iowa beats Michigan you can argue for Ohio State at that point cuz it was a close loss and it was a better loss uh, I don't think anybody wants to play that game, though, on the committee of taking teams that didn't play for their conference championship. I, I think you'd probably just bounce the Big Big Ten at that point because you got you got enough good teams elsewhere, uh, especially with the Big Twelve. We haven't mentioned the Big Twelve yet, um, but Texas Texas is uh, is certainly a worthy team if they win. Um, you, you got Texas, Oklahoma State in that one. If if Texas wins, I think you just sub them in for Michigan bringing them in. If Alabama beats Georgia though. Here's the prop cuz you have four good conferences this year, right? I, I got I got my four teams picked, my Pac-12 team, my Big 10 team, my ACC team, and my SEC team. If if Alabama beats Georgia though, I think you have to take Alabama. They're the SEC champion. They're the best team in the SEC, which is until further notice, the best conference in college football, notwithstanding what the Pac-12 did this year, year in and year out though. Can't conduct a playoff that the SEC champion, especially a 14 playoff. You'd have to let Alabama in. But I think you'd have to let Georgia in, too. They're the defending champs. Their only loss would be to Alabama in the title game. It's possible you would leave them out. I think you can make a very compelling case for one loss Georgia over undefeated Florida State. Now, if that happens, the Florida State people who were very unbearable all offseason about how much they wanted to get out of the ACC would become 17 times more unbearable at that point. So I don't know that I love that outcome, but you would certainly have a scenario where you'd have to discuss how you're going to get Georgia in because you would have to take Alabama if they win the SEC title. You've got Michigan. You've got the Washington-Oregon winner. That would leave you one spot for either an undefeated Florida State or a one-loss Georgia. Wouldn't want to be in the committee room when that's going on because I think you could make a really good case for Georgia there. I think in the end you'd probably bounce Georgia and just say, hey, they, they didn't win the conference title game. But it's a discussion for sure. I think you could also make a case for a one-loss Washington if it's a close game against Oregon. It would be a good year to be at 12. We're still at four. We'll find a way. We'll hang in there. Uh, when we get back, though, Virginia Tech put a whooping on UVA. Uh, lots of shenanigans around the game. Lots to talk about. We'll open up the phone lines, 833-804-0910. You take a Hokies victory lap this morning if you want. Uh, we'll dive into the Commonwealth Clash Right after this, you're listening to 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM.
All right, second name for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame as we're announcing the new uh, inductees uh, over the course of the day today. And uh, they're announcing them online via Sports HOF. Uh, Rick Jeffrey, who ran uh, Special Olympics Virginia for many years, uh, well-deserved recognition for him. He is the second nominee into this year's class, joining Jill Ellis, uh, who was announced at 10 a.m. this morning, uh, who won a pair of Women's World Cups. So two, uh, two, I believe, two-ninths of the way there. I think it's uh, nine. I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not. Um, So just pretend I didn't say that. Uh, And uh, we'll say we're two-somethings of the way uh, there so far. I don't know. I don't know what I'm allowed to say and not say. That's uh, that's the joy of live radio. What I can say is that the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame inductions will be in April at the Henrico Sports and Events Center, uh, which is brand new, where the Virginia Center Common Mall used to be. First time they've been in the Richmond area, and it's a phenomenal weekend. Uh, they do a breakfast event on Saturday where you can meet and greet everybody. Uh, get your tickets now for that. I uh, haven't even mentioned JMU. Shout out to the Dukes who are going bowling for the first time in school history um, with uh, with not enough teams reaching the six-win mark. We'll dive into bowl possibilities later this week, but certainly a shout out to the Dukes right now, though, diving back in to the Commonwealth Cup. All right, drumline time. There you go. All right. Crank it up, JC. Let's go. Boom. All right. J- JMU's going bowling, but Virginia Tech's going bowling, too. ODU's also going bowling, by the way. Old Dominion uh, has a very impressive uh, win to go bowling. They came back from, I think it was 13 down. If not, it was 10 down late in that game. Uh, to claim their spot. So we got three state teams going bowling. Um, can we turn that down a little bit? Uh, can we take the uh, the drum line down a little bit? I, I would like my voice to be be the star here today, uh, not the drum line. Thank you, JC. You're the man. Um, Virginia Tech uh, knows what matters. Beating Virginia matters. Now, that's not to say Virginia doesn't know this game is important. Obviously, they understand the importance of this game. But every year, Virginia Tech comes to this game with a plan, with some new wrinkles, with some stuff they've saved for this moment and this stage. And that that was never more apparent than yesterday, for sure. They came ready to play a rivalry game. They came ready to dominate a rivalry game. I think Virginia showed up to play a football game. I think Virginia showed up, had some fans there. It was a lovely Saturday. Uh, they're going to try their best, win or lose. I don't think they were ready for what hit them. I don't think they were ready for the intensity of the rivalry game. And we'll line up the phones, 833-804-0910, if you want to take uh, a victory lap. JC, who we got on the line? You know it's our favorite Hokies fan. It's Frank from Mechanicsville. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. MP on the mic. How you doing, brother? I feel good, man. Tooting that kickoff return, they call holding, yep. and they just get a touchdown anyway. That offense was humming. It was. It, it was the perfect culmination to the end of the season. Uh, it's always great when we have great football, but it's even better when we beat UVA every single year. Um, I'm glad we got back to the winning fashion and, and such a dominating performance. Everybody came to play, and like you said, we came to play a rivalry game and beat them into the ground, and they just showed us play some football. Um, but what I'm even more happier for is for the program itself to be able to go to a bowl game again. It was huge for us in years past, and I, it gives us something to look forward to in the future and build a program off of. And if we play well, we get a we win that bowl game again. It's something to build for towards next year and keep some of these recruits here, uh, get better recruits in the transfer portal, build back up, you know, the team and continue to move forward. But any day Virginia Tech beats UVA. Every uh, tech fan across the country is, is happy, happy, happy. Frank, I love the call. Thank you for weighing in. And uh, congrats to the Hokies on the way. He's right. Two big things are going to happen in the next week here. Number one is that, that they're going to get extra practice time because of the bowl game. And number two is they're going to they're have to recruit these young players to stay. That's portal life, right? This is I think NC State coach Dave Doran said it. This is the toughest week of the year for the coach. Um, because you're you're recruiting the guys on your team to stay now. 
They're going to get offers from elsewhere. They're going to consider going into the portal. They're going to feel like, ah, I didn't get enough playing time, or ah, this offense doesn't showcase my skills. And Brent Pry's well-positioned this week now. One, we've got a bowl game. Hang around, keep working, uh, get ready for the bowl game, get ready for, for some extra practices. And two, coming off a big win, a lot of momentum in the program, it's a really important week for college football coaches. And it's a really important week at Virginia Tech, which has a young team that they want to grow together. It's not a given anymore. Used to be, we'd get on this show and say, hey, it's a young team. They'll be back next year. I'm excited to see what they can do. Now it's it's a young team. If they come back next year, we'll see what they can do. And that's that's an important caveat, and that's why this win was important for Brent Pry to make it happen. Let's play the uh, let's play the kickoff return, the, the Tootin return. I mentioned that uh, great call here. You heard it on the fan. You heard it on the Virginia Tech radio network. Uh, this was this was about when you knew things were going to be all right for the Hokies. Here's the kickoff back to Virginia Tech, and it's Tootin on the return, gets to the 20, running hard to his left, gets to the 30, down the sideline to the 40, oh, Tootin stays in bounds, pulling away from Virginia, puts a hand in the air at the 20, to the 10, shuttles his motor down, takes it into the end zone, touchdown Tech, runs up the hill into the Tech student section here in Charlottesville. He's mobbed by his Hokie teammates, mobbed by Tech students, flags are thrown, Tootin celebrating, it's a Hokie takeover of the hill in Charlottesville. There you go, Bill Roth, Virginia Tech Football Radio Network, into the Tech student section. That's how, that's how you call a rivalry touchdown. I love it. Into the Tech student section. The, the, the Tech kids on the hill stormed the field after the game. Nobody was there to stop them. The UVA fans all left at halftime. That's what kind of game we were up against there. It was uh, it was 24 nothing at halftime. And then third quarter, uh, Tech scores a touchdown. Uh, uh, drones again. Uh, drones to uh, Daquan Felton. 84-yard uh, Touchdown pass right out of the gate in the third quarter. 31 points. 31 to nothing. That sent the UVA fans out apple picking. The Tech fans got to hang around and enjoy a lovely little afternoon. The storm in the field. I don't know if you saw this. Tech came out to take a team picture after the game. UVA turned on the sprinklers on the field for them while they were in the middle, in the middle of their picture. Um, so at least one person at UVA understands what the rivalry is about. Uh, but it, it was Tech, and uh, let's play that Brent Pry clip, Josh. Uh, here's a guy who understands the importance of this game in this moment uh, for the Virginia Tech fan base. You know, we, we made a, a strong effort to make sure this group understood what this game really means, what it's about. Uh, and, and not really for, for UVA, for our group, for our fan base, for Virginia Tech, for all the players that have played in this game. You know, Coach Beamer addressed the team on Wednesday. Coach Foster addressed the team on Thursday. I can't tell you how many video messages we had from former players about this series and this rivalry. And uh, we shared those with the team. And we had videos each and every day of memorable moments in this game. And you know, we got six guys on staff that have that played here and played in this game and what it meant to them. They shared that with the team. Uh, it was a good, good week of preparation. And you do wonder... On the other sideline, does Tony Elliott understand that? He's not from the rivalry, of the rivalry. Um, he's played in rivalry games. He understands the concept of a rivalry. But you got the sense yesterday, Virginia Tech came to play a rivalry game, and UVA did not come to play a rivalry game on, on Saturday, rather. I mean, look at Tech's defensive line, which has been really bad at times this season, holds UVA to 43 yards rushing. Tech with a balanced attack, 252 yards rushing, 248 yards passing. Just incredibly impressive. Six sacks for that Tech defensive line. They got after it. They got after it. Uh, played aggressively. Played to win. They have the holding call where they get a touchdown called back. They go back. They make it happen again. Get the kickoff return for a touchdown uh, by Bashel Tootin. Uh, 94 yards took the kickoff to the house. And that was when you knew. Uh, that was when you knew this is going to be uh, a a good day for the Hokies. Thirty-eight to three at that point, midway through the third quarter, there was no no comeback in the offing. 
There was no comeback to be had in the Commonwealth Cup. Virginia Tech goes to six. They get a bowl game. Uh, we salute them on that. And uh, another year where the Commonwealth Cup resides in Blacksburg. UVA got their one with Bronco a few years ago. Uh, but that, that's a program that will spend the offseason looking for answers, looking to see if they can get more out of their players than they got this year. Uh, two and six final mark in the ACC there. Got the big one against North Carolina. Uh, obviously a fantastic win for them. Uh, finished the season with a nice win against Duke. But we talked about this in the lead-up to the game. The loser of this rivalry game is going to be doing some serious soul-searching. And UVA was on the wrong end of 55-17 to in the Commonwealth Cup. When we return, plenty more. Uh, marching our way up to the top of the hour with you until noon. AWOD Radio takes over live from Capitol Ale House. We'll hear about his trip to Orlando. Big VCU win yesterday over Penn State, salvaging a weekend with a couple of games that got away from them. Much more after this. This is MP on the mic. You're listening to 910 The Fan, not 1051. Monday morning, hour number two of MP on the mic. Welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us in here, out there, around the world on the free Odyssey app. It's got the rewind button. If you missed the 10 o'clock hour, check in on the Commonwealth Cup. Virginia Tech blows out UVA. Check in on VCU basketball down in Orlando. Uh, Some tough finishes against Iowa State and Boise. They're going to want that Iowa State game back. That's the one. They say, man... They had a good team on the ropes. The defense was clamping down. The offense was finally clicking. Shots were falling. And Iowa State made some plays down the stretch. But that's one that's one they're gonna want back. Uh when, when you when you run the calculations at the end of the year, you say, man, they had them on the ropes, couldn't finish. Uh, but it's this is, you know, if you could take something away from this Orlando weekend, it's that VCU is not going to get an at-large in the NCAA tournament. Now you're playing for growth. You're playing for development. By the way, you played without Sean Barristow yesterday, and you played without Jason Nelson yesterday, and you beat a Power 5 team. You beat Penn State in an ugly game, to be sure. Uh, fouls for everybody. Fouls all the time. Oprah style. You get a foul. You get a foul. Nobody wants to watch this game. There's too many fouls. But they, they get the win. They get rolling. They, they need... You can develop all you want as a young team, but at a certain point you need some wins to get everybody feeling good and get everybody feeling like you're moving the right way. Love to see Fats Billups coming to the table to play. Uh, Five three-pointers in yesterday's game against Penn State. Love to see some guys get on the board, start making some of those. Michael Bell, I thought, had a nice weekend. Toby Lawal with just a ridiculous block against Iowa State, using that height, using that length to disrupt. I think there are a lot of positives you take out of that. I think there's also, you know, that that sense that we've now reached the end of November. We've now seen them play seven games and there's not there's not that sense of continuity, that sense of balance yet. It's still it might still be a month away. It might still be a Sean Bear stowaway. It might still be uh, a Christmas break away. We'll see with the VCU Rams, but but certainly leave Orlando on a high note with that win over Penn State. We got to rewind all the way to Thursday because we haven't been on the air in a minute. Uh, been been enjoying the holidays, been enjoying the food, but uh, there was a little indigestion on Thanksgiving Day uh, in the form of the Washington Commanders getting pasted by the Dallas Cowboys. Let's look back. Let's look ahead. Let's crack open a six-pack. It's time to crack open a six-pack of observations as we break down the Washington Commanders' performance. 45-10 against the Dallas Cowboys. And let's start with number one. What was the final straw for Jack Del Rio? Why was he fired? Because Ron Rivera didn't want to fire anybody. Ron Rivera wanted to hold status quo as long as he could. He's been loyal to his guys. And fired Jack Rio, Del Rio for three and a half years, and we've seen the kinds of performances this defense had turned in with six first-round picks starting this year, by the way. It was a talented group. To me, final straw was turkey leg. Dak Prescott scores a touchdown, jumps into the Salvation Army kettle, and starts gnawing on a turkey leg. Here's Dak after the game. 
team, team effort, team idea. And yeah, we talked about it. It was probably a two, three day long process of, you know, whether it be a 15 yards, uh, whether coach would accept it. And I tell you, I actually go talk to coach before every game. And sure enough, I called him as he was talking to Jerry. And so I mentioned it. And of course, Jerry liked it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and at that point, my direction was just make sure we're up and the game was in hand. And so uh, here's here's what bothers me here. The Dallas Cowboys, I love the celebration, by the way. Celebration was fantastic. Well executed, well designed, good play, ran it well, scored the touchdown. The the opponent of the Washington Commanders, who is historically this team's rival, was so confident they were going to win this football game. They spent the week planning a turkey leg celebration in the Salvation Army kettle. They were so confident they were going to march all over this defense, Jack Del Rio's defense. They spent the week plotting where to hide the turkey leg for their celebration. After Feels they... bad. Feels bad, man. <laughs> they weren't watching film. They weren't getting ready for the game. They were planning the turkey leg celebration. Feels bad, Mike. <laughs> that's a, It's humiliating. Yeah, that's t- that's tough to recover from. Pride-wise. Because here's the thing. <laughs> if you put a turkey leg in the Salvation Army kettle and you lose, somebody finds the turkey leg and makes fun of you. There's a certain <laughs> amount of cockiness and confidence that has to take place to say, not only are we going to win this football game, we are so confident we're going to win this football game by a large margin that we're going to find turkey legs before the game and wrap them up in aluminum foil and put them in the Salvation Army kettle. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? That's why Jack Del Rio got fired. That's item number one. Of course you should get fired after that. Your defense is so bad that on a short week, the other team spent time wrapping turkey legs in aluminum foil and planning their celebrations instead of practicing for the game. Jerry loved it. You know Jerry loved that. Jerry called it one of his very best days as Cowboys owner, uh, which which does not surprise me a little, doesn't surprise me a lot. Um... He's had some good days as Cowboys are. He said, I'd put it right up there with the Super Bowls. He loves that kind of thing, right? America's team winning another game at home. Dax rolling. Turkey leg celebration. Call attention. Dolly Parton was out there in a Cowboys cheerleader's uniform. You see Dolly Parton? I I miss Dolly. That's the one thing I was excited uh, about. Tony Romo got steamed up for Dolly Parton. We'll we'll get we'll pull that clip. We'll play it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, he made Jim Nance very uncomfortable uh, <laughs> with how much he was enjoying Dolly Parton. Oh, no. Planned a turkey leg celebration on the inside. That's why Jack Del Rio got fired. All right. Observation number two. Where do you go from here? Here's Ron Rivera talking on Friday about how he's going to take over the defense. He is going to call the defensive plays now. There's going to be some changes. He just doesn't know what. You know, shaking some things up. I mean, this is not an indictment of of, of Jack and Brent because those guys worked their asses off trying to get things right and trying to do things for us. It's just for whatever reason, it just it, it wasn't coming together. You know, we, we haven't played as well as we would like to this season. We haven't played the complimentary football the way we needed to as a team. And unfortunately, you know, this is the circumstances. I mean, we're all culpable. We believe me, we all are coaches and players as a group. You know, we, we have to be better. We know that. Um, and I think shaking it up now gives us an opportunity to, 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 to do some things differently and, and, and play some guys differently and, See what's going on, and see if we can, um, you know, we can we can do things to 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 make some things happen in a positive sense. What can be done differently? What are some of those things that you can address now? Well, without getting into the into the specifics as far as game planning and stuff like that, but you know, we're 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 going to do things um, differently. Though I, I will tell you that much. He's a teacher who's like run out of options. I'll I'll discipline you, kids. Things are going to change around here. At this point, Ron Rivera would be better off taking a portion of his paycheck, mailing it to the NFL office, and telling them, I'm not talking to reporters anymore. I'm done with that. We're not doing that again this year. That would be that would be far preferable. What are we on the set of Cheers now? <laughs> Just never know what's gonna happen over there. He would he would be far better off playing just just playing the games, playing out the string. It's an, it's it's a disservice to everybody that he's got to come out here and explain this stuff. Now, there are some things he can do. You could start blitzing more. And by the way, I'll take you back to the, the Buffalo Eagles game yesterday. 
the Bills quit blitzing on Jalen Hurts in overtime. They let up at the end. By the way, Sean McDermott with a vintage Rivera-esque performance uses a timeout to ice the kicker when the kicker didn't need to be iced. It was a hurry-up situation and Philadelphia couldn't stop the clock. Could have pocketed that timeout, had 20 seconds, two timeouts, and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Instead, Burns a timeout, has one timeout in 20 seconds, which is still a good number of timeouts and time with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, kneels on it to send it to overtime. And obviously, Bills fans are going to complain about the officiating today and whatever, but you got to look in the mirror, too. And that, that's what that's what I hope Ron Rivera brings. I hope he hope he mixes some things up, calls some more blitzes. Because you've got you're dying back there, man. You got St. Juice on these number one receivers. He's not a number one guy. And you got you got Forbes who you don't trust back there. The secondary's dying back there, man. You're gonna Dolphins are coming to town. There's no I'm not gonna pretend like I know how to beat the Dolphins. That's a team with some really good weapons. But it's it's tough out there. Uh, it, it's it's tough out there when you don't mix it up, when you've got teams that are so confident they can beat their defense, they're planning turkey leg celebrations all week. That's tough. That You had to do something. Uh, offensive side of the ball, this is only number three. I'm so far behind schedule, it's it's hilarious. Uh, some tough calls by Eric Bieniemy. Uh fourth, fourth and ones, the fourth and shorts, uh, the one where B-Rob runs into Jahan Dotson and, and you, you pack the middle – and uh, Romo was all over this on the broadcast. Everybody was brought in. You didn't spread the receivers out. Sometimes you do. You spread the receivers out to create less traffic for the running back. Everybody was brought in. When you bring all 11 in, the thought is you want to go wide because you're going you're gonna to have openings on the sides of the field. Instead, they actually did run it up the middle, maybe outsmarting themselves. I don't know. Some, some tough calls by Eric Bieniemy, who now has five weeks, five games, to prove he can be a coach in the NFL. And Ron Rivera's going to be hands-off on the offense. It's Eric Bieniemy's show. You got Sam Howell. He's got some experience. Uh, the, the sacks were back. Uh, he's playing some good defenses the next few weeks. And that's something I, I don't want to sleep on that because they, they've they had a light strength of schedule so far. And the Rams with Sean McVay, that's a good defense. We know about the Jets. I don't have to tell you about the 49ers. Uh, so, so it's going to be a tough stretch for this defense. For, for this offense, uh, it's time for Biennemi to prove he could take that next step, go to the next level. Uh, this game was closer than the final score. Uh, I know nobody wants to hear that today because it, it was so embarrassing at the end, 45-10, to 10, the turkey leg. Uh, this was close. Uh, in the fourth quarter, it was a 10-point game. This was, this was a game that got out of control late, and then you had the pick six by Bland, who set the NFL record. Uh, but but it was close. This is not a team that's totally lost. You know the the difference between seven, eight, nine wins in the NFL just so minimal. They're I think this is a team of the caliber to be in that conversation if if they're well coached, if if they're using their pieces properly. Um, and, and that gets me to number five, which is to say, it's tank time. It, it's time to tank this now. You you gotta you gotta play. The Dolphins straight up. But after the Dolphins, you've got the bye week, and you've got four weeks left in the season. It'll be December 17th when you take the field again, right? Today's November 27th. You got this Dolphins game. It's not going to go well. Uh, the Dolphins are a very good team. Your only hope is that, like, they, you know, they bench, they bench Tyree Kill because they don't want him to play on the grass at FedEx field, which would be understandable. They're not going to win that game. You got the bye week, then you got four to go. You're bringing it in. I think they are good enough to beat the Rams and the Jets. And that's a problem for me right now. I think they could give the Dolphins a game. I don't think they'll win, but I think they could give the Dolphins a game. The problem for me is I think this is a team that's good enough to be spicy, to put up a fight, to win a couple. I'm all in on the tank now. Uh, If I were Ron Rivera, if I were Josh Harris, after this Dolphins game going into the bye week, I I would make a show about... Terry McLaurin being beat up. I would make a show about Jonathan Allen being beat up. Logan Thomas is beat up. Hey, those guys are going to IR. It's four weeks. They're going to miss the last four games. We wish them well. The, the, you got to you gotta put the tank on. We got we got to bring the tank in here at the end of the stretch because they are, if the NFL draft were today, they would be picking number five overall. 
By the way, the Bears are at four overall, and they've got the Bears' second-round pick. You'd be back-to-back at four and five in the second round. Now, I don't think the Panthers are going anywhere. Um, The Cardinals with Kyler, I think, have a pulse, but it would be a lot to ask of them to win three and catch these guys. They, They... I don't think they've got three in them. Uh, the Patriots, boy, how bad did the Patriots look yesterday? But I, I think the Commanders could hold the four or the five spot, which would get them a very good football player. I think it's worth holding the tank. I, I think it's worth shutting down some good players, getting ready, because this is, and this is number six here on the six-pack, this is a good job. Coaching the Washington Commanders, is going to be a good job and a desired job uh, and something that a lot of people want to do. Nobody wants to go work for Frank Reich in Carolina. Somebody will do it. Uh, Nobody wants to take that Raiders job and work for Mark Davis in that division. That's a tough job. People are going to want this job. There aren't a lot of head coaching vacancies that people want. The Chargers is one, and this one's going to be one. There aren't a lot of reasons why they shouldn't be able to go get the guy they want and get the young guy they want coming in. But I, I, I'd i put the tank on the rest of the way because this season's lost. It's We'll talk commanders the rest of the way. But this, this season is lost, and uh, I'm almost afraid they're going to go on a little two-game heater here against the Rams and the Jets uh, with Ron Rivera calling the defense. We'll see. It's uh, they're, they're missing some pieces. They're missing some pieces for sure. We've got to step aside. Uh, more after this, another name for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Don't you go anywhere. You're listening to 910 The Fan at 105.1 FM. One FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 